listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. All right, we are back with a new episode. First one post-NBA Finals, Milwaukee Bucks took out the Phoenix Suns. I was kind of, kind of happy to see that. We'll jump into why uh, when we get into the podcast. But before we start, don't forget, subscribe to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it, we are there. And of course, check out silverscreenandroll.com for all your Lakers needs. We're getting into a big offseason, the draft just over a week away, free agency a couple of days after that. So lots to discuss. Joining me as always, Sabrina Merchant, one of the people responsible for the magic you see at Silver Screen and Roll. Sabrina, what's going on? I can't believe the season is finally over. It's crazy. On the one hand, it felt so long. And on the other hand, like, I feel like we just started. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird, I mean, I think everybody in the world is is going through that where it's like with whatever that is that they're doing, but it was crazy to me, like the NBA, you know, we got into the bubble last year and then we had that little very short turnaround time. And, and you know, for people like us who, who are working in sports media, uh, especially with the NBA, it was, okay, the draft's coming up, free agency's coming up, and we just jump right into it, and then boom, the season's around the corner. And then it, it just felt like it's just been one long season, like that was two seasons merged into one. But it, I mean, I, I was just glad to, like watching the NBA finals and seeing the buildings full again and the energies, and obviously you saw what you saw in Milwaukee where you know people are celebrating and stuff. That to me gave me a sense of normalcy again. So I was glad that we had that back at least during during the playoffs. Adam Silver seemed so freaking happy during the trophy celebration yesterday. Like, I don't know if it was, hey, we got through this season and like Giannis didn't get COVID or it was, oh, hey, a small market team actually won a championship or I also get to go on vacation. Like, I don't know, but he just seemed so much more <laughs> pleased with the conclusion of those finals than I have seen him in quite some time. So, yeah, uh, I guess I know the draft is like what in seven days now, too. So we're not done by any stretch of the imagination, but like it's it's interesting to finally be moving on I, I have to ask you this too because you touched on that right now that you were mentioning I, I think it's a good thing for the league that a small market team won and you know when when uh when Giannis stuck around and signed that you know the mega extension the supermax with with the bucks you know I think that signified okay hey this guy and again he comes from a different background I don't know how much of, of that like where he was like yeah I'm gonna stick around in, in Milwaukee and whereas most of the time we do see, and, and we've seen that over the last 10 years or so, that the big names tend to move on to, to bigger markets and, 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 and bigger teams. But it was good for me to see. Um, I think it was good in that sense. And I just didn't want the Suns to win. I, I, I don't know why. I, I just did not want Phoenix to win. Maybe that's like a, a thing of, like I said, I think Chris Paul is an amazing basketball player. I just don't want to see him win. So I was kind of happy uh, that he didn't get to host the, uh, the Larry O'Brien trophy, but what were your thoughts on the final? And, and let me ask you this. How do you think a healthy Lakers team does against the, uh, the bucks in the finals? If they, let's say if they got there. The bucks are a really interesting matchup for the Lakers because what they do well is protect the paint. And obviously the Lakers do most of their work in the paint, very close to the basket. So them having high level room protectors like Brooke Lopez, like Giannis Antetokounmpo, like that's of particular importance against a team like the Lakers. Uh, I think they played, um, let's see, the Lakers won the game in Milwaukee this year and they lost in LA, but that was one of their, you know, injured spells. So I, I don't think they could have been expected to win that one, but I, I think it would have been a really interesting series, like probably even a little bit uglier than what we saw in the last two games of this one. Just if you think that the Lakers like to muck up the game, just like watch the way the Bucks enjoy playing. So uh, from an aesthetic perspective, it was probably better that the, the league got the Suns in this matchup instead of the Lakers because it could have gotten pretty bullyballish if those two teams had matched up against one another. Uh, I do think that the Lakers would have been just fine, you know, against the Bucks 
there's no, I, although I do wonder who would have guarded Chris Middleton because like if Booker was giving the Lakers difficulty, Middleton to me seems like a taller version of that, which is something of a problem on the Lakers roster that they don't really have that wing lanky defender. So that's again, something that they tried to address last offseason, something they'll try to address again this offseason. I do feel a little bit badly for Wes Matthews who left Milwaukee to come to the Lakers and obviously did not work out the way he thought it was going to. But yeah, I, I on the whole, I think that what the Bucks did and their style of play kind of emboldens the Lakers to continue on their track of like being this physical um, bully kind of team that like doesn't really space the floor, but just gets extra possessions, gets to the line, beats you up in transition. Like that template is what the Lakers used in 2020. And it was kind of cool to see it work again in 2021, even if, you know, Middleton presents this one extra perimeter creator that the Lakers don't really have because their second best player is just another big guy. Yeah. And, and I think that that's going to be, that's going to be key now for, for the Lakers this, this off season. And, and, you know, we're looking at, looking at the way Milwaukee played and being centered around Giannis, who is this, this freak dominant player that he's grown into compared to what we saw, you know, and, and, you know, we've heard the comparisons throughout the, the postseason was that he, you know, he, he's as dominant, like, like Shaq, like he just runs the paint and there's nothing you could do about it. But I think they, they did a great job. Uh, surrounding him with the right talent. Obviously, the Drew Holiday move paid off um, in, in, in a big way. And, the, you know, they, they kind of stuck with it after disappointing playoff exits and back-to-back seasons. They didn't they didn't deviate from the plan. So, to me, it, w- it was good to see Milwaukee do that. But this is not a Milwaukee Bucks podcast. This is a Lakers podcast. So, let's jump into, <laughs> let's jump into the, the big news now. Mark Spears of ESPN, the undefeated, um, he was mentioning that uh, the Lakers have been in talks, uh, you know, or there have been talks about the Lakers, you know, looking at, at the Washington Wizards and trying to get Russell Westbrook over in a potential deal. And it would have to be a sign in trade. So you're looking at somebody, Dennis Schroeder, a combination, Kuzma, THT. Uh, you got to make the money work. There's also a rumor that the Lakers have interest in Chris Paul. Um, that is another thing we'll touch on. But let, let, let's start with the Westbrook thing. Um, how, do you see this having any legs to it, or is it just Rob Palenka and the Lakers just kind of doing their homework? Because Westbrook's making almost four, you know, more than forty-four million basically next season. They're going to have to figure out the contracts. And again, you're going to, and you know, Harrison wrote about this on on Silver Screen and Roll. Is there's basically a bunch of little, you know, factors that have to that come into play as well, which is Schroeder wanting to go to Washington. Um, Washington has to pay him THT wanting to go there. Um, you know, what happens with Bradley Beal? There's a lot of trickle down things that could, that could come of this, but is this something that you think the Lakers are just doing their homework that it's unlikely or, or how, like, how true do you think this is? And do you think the Lakers have any shot at landing a guy like Westbrook? You know, Rob Polink and the Lakers like to swing big. And I think that if they have reported interest in a star, that is something to pay attention to. And however you feel about Russell Westbrook's current quality of play, like objectively, he is a star just because of his Q rating and like his history of being on all NBA teams. Um, I do think this is exactly the type of like splashy move that the Lakers would want to make is acquiring a player like Russell Westbrook. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that they were in discussions to acquire Kyle Lowry for a very similar trade package. So I do think this is something we should be paying attention to. I think it's far more likely that a trade could happen with the Wizards who are in a very different stage of team building than one with the Suns because, number one, Chris Paul is probably valued higher than Russell Westbrook is, uh, despite the trade package that included both of them two years ago. 
And Phoenix is far more interested in keeping Chris Paul because they have a championship window that the Wizards do not. So I, I would keep an eye on the Westbrook thing. I mean, I know we had talked earlier about the potential of Ben Simmons coming to the Lakers and stylistically, there are some similarities between Simmons and Westbrook, namely that they don't shoot, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. well, I should say that they can't shoot because Ben Simmons literally does not shoot. Russell Westbrook can't shoot, but still does a lot of it. So the, the Simmons thing didn't make a lot of sense to me because of just how he would cramp the half court spacing, but Westbrook, I mean, despite being like an equally bad shooter, I think has more legs just because he's the guy who you can put the ball in his hands and he will do things, you know, like Ben Simmons actively avoids that responsibility at the end of games, whereas Russell Westbrook will force the action. And even if it's just like getting the ball into the paint, generating extra possessions as an offensive rebounder, you know, that sort of thing like fits into the ethos of what the Lakers are looking for. Um, I've sort of come to the belief that any player who spends enough time around Frank Vogel will become a competent defensive player. So if Russell Westbrook could turn into a competent defensive player, that would obviously be a win since he is not currently that at this stage of his career. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think Westbrook like solves the ails, you know, of the Lakers roster. Like, obviously you would want more spacing. That's number one. I think what the Lakers are missing, but in terms of like needing another playmaker, he does fit that at least. Well, I, I think that he's, uh, I still think Russell Westbrook is obviously, I mean, you see what he does with the stat sheet. The guy fills it up. You know, he's, he's a triple double machine, average a triple double last season. Um, the shooting is obviously an issue. He shot 31%, 31 and a half percent from deep in, in the previous season during the regular season. Uh, first time he's eclipsed 30% in, in, in four seasons prior to that. So I think, or it, pardon me, in the, in the last four seasons, that was the first time he had done that. But uh, would he be willing to take on like being the number three guy? I, I think that would be the issue with me with, with rest books for it. Never mind the financials of it, which again, it would take a lot of things and a lot of hurdles um, to clear in order to, in order to bring him in. Um. Like, do you think that if you bring in Westbrook at this stage of his career, he's, you know, 32 going on 33 turns 33 in November. When you, when you look at him, like, do you see him even being close to a fit with Anthony Davis and LeBron? Or is he going to be a guy who's going to try and force it too much? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's really impossible to know what Russ's mindset is because, you know, he's the guy who stuck around in Oklahoma city so that he could be the guy. Right. And he even tried to be the guy when he was on a team with Kevin Durant. Um, He's obviously much older now. He's been through more like rough seasons in the NBA. I think the shine is off of him a little bit. The The way I see it is if he were to consent to a trade to the Lakers, right? Because the Wizards are not making this deal without his explicit approval. I, not that they have to, because it's not like he has a no trade clause. It's just when you have a player of that, uh, you know, that caliber, it, these deals tend to happen with their consent, right? Yeah. So I would imagine that if he was willing to come to the Lakers, he would fall in line with what Anthony Davis and LeBron James do. My concern is that just by nature, he's more of an assertive personality, right? And Anthony Davis seems like a more deferential guy. So even if Russell Westbrook says all the right things about like, yeah, this is, you know, going to be 80s team. We're just trying to help LeBron and AD get back to that next level. Like you can say all those things and you can design the offense to run through Anthony Davis. 
I could very easily see the Lakers getting to a point on the court where like Anthony Davis isn't working very hard for the ball and Russ is like, F it, I'm just going to go to work. And like, that's what Russell Westbrook does. So that is a bit of a concern. Um, again, I, I just can't stress the shooting thing enough. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, Dennis Schroeder was a bad shooting point guard and Russell Westbrook is the worst shooting point guard of all time. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think we've seen how that just collapses playoff offenses when you have a perimeter player that doesn't need to be guarded. So while I understand needing another playmaker and like they, they took this risk with shooter Schroeder, hoping that like he could just sustain some level of hot shooting based on all the open looks he was going to get. Russ has been getting open looks for years. Like every single defender goes under the screen on him. The jumpers are available for this guy and they're not going in. Like even his free throw shooting has taken just an incredible tumble over the last few years. So yeah, he fits one of the, the goals that the Lakers are looking for this off season, which is getting a playmaker. Like, it's just so bad from spacing perspective. Like unless you're playing Anthony Davis exclusively at the five and throwing in another perimeter player next to him and LeBron in the starting lineup, I just don't see how this is going to work. I mean, like Harrison was joking on our silver screen roll slack earlier today that like Russ could just play center. So AD doesn't have to, but like it just <laughs> requires you to find more shooting in other places, you know, in your lineup. And yeah, maybe the Lakers could do that. But the way their lineup is currently situated, they don't have it. So if you get Russell Westbrook, you have to make additional adjustments elsewhere on your roster. Like think about what the Rockets had to do, right? They had to go five out just because Russ was basically occupying the paint and like functioning as a center on those offenses. So they couldn't even play Clint Capella and Clint Capella is an awesome player. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, and uh, it's interesting because I was going to say that too. Like we look at, at, Russell Westbrook's career and the guys, you know, his, his career average, 23.2 points, eight and a half assists, 7.4 rebounds. You look at that and you think, damn, you know, he's won an MVP uh, average, a triple double in, in multiple seasons throughout his, his, I think one day hall of fame career. But when you look at it, it hasn't worked. You know what I mean? Like uh, mm-hmm. they made the finals in the, in the lockout shortened season in, in 2011, 2012, they lost to the heat. Uh, never got it done again with Harden and Durant. Then Harden moved on. Then him and Durant, you know, crapped the bed when they were up 3-1 against the, the Warriors in 2016. And then they bought in Paul George. That didn't work. Then he joined James Harden. That didn't work. Then he's with Bradley Beal. Sure, they came on at the end of the season, but that didn't work. And so you're looking at this. It's like, okay, when, when history is showing you, and history, history has a tendency to repeat itself. And, and we've seen him not work with other superstars. So that would be my concern. When you look at him as a player, like, damn, he's dynamic. He could, you know, he could take the 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 creation, uh, some of the pressure to create and 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 facilitate the offense off of LeBron, um, and he'd be great at that. But then the question is, at what point do his instincts take over, right? Because he's not a guy like, and you know, looking at Clay Thompson coming back after a couple of years. But when I look at the Warriors, I'm not concerned with when Clay comes back because what he's going to do is he's going to stand around, hopefully get a bunch of screens set for him, and do what he does, which is shoot open threes. He's not going to force it. He's not going to take away from Curry. But if you put a guy like um, Russell Westbrook, who's been used to having the ball in his hands, you know, all the time attempting, you know, almost, you know, he attempted 19 shots a game last season, the four years before that he attempted over 20, uh, you know, his, his field goal attempts per, per game. And if you look at that, it's like, that's not going to fly with a team like the Lakers. And that's not going to fly when you have 80 and LeBron, which again, they should be running a pick and roll with 80 and LeBron 50% of the time down the court, because that's unstoppable. And if you look at a guy like Westbrook, and like you mentioned, uh, a career just over 30% three-point shooter, I just don't think it's 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 a good fit. And I think that Rob Palenka, maybe 
um, overthought things last off season and thought, okay, we're going to retool and whatever. Cause I would have liked to seen what that championship team did from 2020 with a little bit of tweaks and seeing how they would have done last season. Again, who knows how the injury situation would have worked out, but whatever it was, it wasn't meant to be uh, shift in focus now to Chris Paul. Uh, the Lakers also reportedly interested in, in seeing what happens with Chris Paul. Uh, he did talk about his future with the team yesterday. Uh, there have been reports that he's going to opt out of his $44 million salary that he's guaranteed for next season. Try and look at a three-year deal with a, with either the Suns or maybe somewhere else. Any? Do you think there's any like traction to that, that they're going to be able to get Chris Paul in any in any sort of thing in, in, in the open market or off a trade? Or is that going to be something, again, that you're looking at, like this is just grasping for straws and highly likely not going to happen? I don't see any chance that Chris Paul comes to the Lakers next year. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just like, you know, like that's it. You're hundred percent. There's no way, like whatever it is that it just, it's well, let's think about this, right? Like either Chris Paul opts in and gets traded to the Lakers, which number one, Robert Sarver is never going to trade Chris Paul to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. That dude would not trade Trevor Ariza to the Lakers. You think he's going to trade somebody as valuable as Chris Paul, who just led his team to the finals for the first time in 28 years. Not, not going to the Lakers. It's just not happening. And so then if he, like, he could demand a trade to the Lakers, but I just, why would he do that when he's the guy in Phoenix, right? He's found a situation that clearly works for him. Um, I don't see him sacrificing the goodwill that he has left at this point of his career to be that diva who demands a trade when he's what, 35 years old, just don't see it happening. And so if he wants to become a free agent, the Lakers can offer him 5.7 million you think this guy's going to turn down $44 million to take 5.7 million from the Lakers? I just don't see it. Maybe I, you know, and I, I was thinking that too. And I go, maybe, maybe he will. Maybe 44 to 5.7 jazz. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. This is coming from a dude who's, who's poor and worked in sports media for eight years, nine years. So we know the other side of it. It's like, man, you've earned 200 some odd million dollars in your career. Like, at what point does does the, I, I again? This is coming from a guy like thirty million dollars. Yeah, to to us is is crazy. But I mean, I look at it. and I'm like, okay, you probably have another year or two left at, at playing at a high level. You want to try and win a championship. And I'll be honest with you, as good as Phoenix looked, I love Devin Booker. I think DeAndre Ayton was a beast. Um, you know, looking at guys like uh, Bridges and and you know they 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 got a good squad. But if Kawhi Leonard's healthy, I don't think they beat the Clippers. If LeBron's healthy, if AD's you know fully healthy, and the, and the Lakers aren't are you know basically a ragtag bunch thrown together that didn't really get a chance to to prepare for the postseason because because of all the injuries and what they were going through leading up to it i don't think phoenix comes out of the west they they beat they beat the suns so i think if chris paul's looking at it and i think rationally looking at it it's like okay what do you do like if you want to win a championship or you want to make money you've made enough money in your career right like i don't like again easy for me to say, cause I'm probably never going to see $35 million a year. I hope I do one day. I doubt it. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you look at it like that and it's like, okay, how are you going to be able to, um, how are you going to be able to win a championship with this Phoenix team? And again, they're coming off a, a, a great run for that franchise, obviously first time in the finals in, in, in 28 years, but it's like, okay, look at the circumstances surrounding it. Cause again, Kawhi Leonard's healthy. They don't beat the Clippers in the Western conference final. So to me, I think he has to look at what stage he's at in his career is the money more important than it is to win a championship. Because if he has the opportunity to opt out at this point and say, well, you know what, I'm going to try and make a move and, and I want to go play with my buddy LeBron and, and see if I can win a championship. I, I, I don't think he would be wrong to do that. Yeah. I just, it's literally $38 million jazz. And I know that like, he's made a lot of money. Thirty-eight million dollars is an insane amount of money. Yeah, it's so much. Well, there's no, I, I, I can't, I can't <laughs> downplay that. I mean, it's not like us being like, 
well, you're going to make $200 less a month. Like even that, that'll kill us. You know what it means? Yeah. So, so for us, we're like, damn, what do you mean 200? But for him, like, I just look at it. The dude's worth, you know, if you look at it, whatever, you know, he's got his, his commercials with State Farm. I'm sure he has other investments. The guy's probably worth half a billion dollars on his own. You know what I mean? Including all his assets, whatever it is, like he's made so much money. And it's like, at what point do you look at that and say, okay, th this trumps me, you know, really solidifying my legacy as one of the greatest point guards of all time. And I agree with you, $38 million is a, is a ludicrous amount of money. It's just, at what point does he, does he try and take a realistic look at it? Because I'll be honest with you, like if I can make a huge bet on it right now at this point, the Suns ain't winning the championship next year. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't care if they're fully healthy. If, if, if everybody else in the West is, is ready to go and, and they're at full health, the, the Suns ain't coming out. So I think he has to try and take a look at that. But I'll ask you this before we head to break. Actually, you know what, Sabrina, let's take a short break and then we'll come back. And I'm going to ask you something about the, the, the Paul and Westbrook thing. All right, and we're back. Uh, what I wanted to ask you is when you look at Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, who do you think, again, I, I don't think you, you think either is realistic, but if you had to take one that like has more of a chance of happening than the other, who do you think the Lakers would end up with Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook? Westbrook. All day. Like that's mm -hmm. an easy choice for you. Like I said, I think there is zero chance that Chris Paul ends okay. up with the Lakers. Okay. Okay. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to, I'm dying on that. Hill, Jess. That. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I want to ask you this then too, because Chris Paul doesn't work out. Russell Westbrook doesn't work out. Dennis Schroeder, again, I just the way I'm reading things right now, I, I don't think they're really overly concerned with bringing him back. I think that if it comes down to it uh, in the sense of this is our last resort, I think they'll keep him. But is there any other name on the market that intrigues you as a possible point guard fit other than, other than those guys? Like, would you look at trying to take a – stab at Kemba Walker or is that just like again is, is it going to be Dennis Schroeder a bust at this point Kemba Walker is interesting because you know he's for lack of a better word he's like a depressed asset at this point you know they were he was just salary dumped to the Oklahoma City Thunder Problem mm -hmm. is I feel like Oklahoma City is going to just extract tooth and nail every possible thing they could get from the Lakers if they were to trade for Kemba so I'm not sure that the Lakers have the goods to get a deal done with Thunder at this particular point. And also what the Lakers want to do in the playoffs requires a guard with a little more, a bigger guard, let's say than Kemba Walker. Like Chris Paul has made it work at charitably six feet. He's definitely not six feet tall. I mean, I've seen those safe arm commercials with Serena Esco and he's barely taller than her. And I don't even think he's taller than her. Yeah. So Chris Paul is like the lone small guard who can actually get it done at the highest level. Kemba, as we saw when the Celtics got into the playoffs in the bubble, like it's too hard for him to be successful when the defenses get better. So I'm not sure that he's the guy that the Lakers want in that position. Um, some of the other names I've been thinking about, like Spencer Dinwiddie's been bounded around. Uh -huh. I know that the Nets could potentially engage in a sign and trade with Dinwiddie. Like maybe a Dinwiddie for Kuzma swap is something that the Lakers could consider just because the Nets need more wings. And obviously the Lakers need another playmaker. Um, there's lots of ties between Dinwiddie and LA. So maybe that's something that, that could be arranged. Um, I was just talking about this on the Slack earlier, how, you know, the, the Montrez Herald to Charlotte rumors make a lot of sense because he's from North Carolina. They need another big, could Charlotte be interested in giving up on Devontae Graham or Terry Rozier? Um, maybe that's a lesser known guard that the Lakers could take a flyer on. Uh, who else in the point guard market makes sense? Uh, any names that have got your eyes? Lonzo Ball, Lonzo Ball, nothing there. Uh, yes. that's happening either. I don't 
again, I don't really understand the the mechanics of how Lonzo would work. Like Christian outlined it on Silver Screen and Roll last week, where the Lakers could just like strip to the studs and sign Lonzo to a contract, but that means getting rid of Alex Caruso and THT and um, not re-signing Schroeder, and like that's that's a lot to put on Lonzo's plate, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that he's worth all of that. Uh, but I mean, Lonzo is better than the other guards that are on this list. Like he, so this is the thing, right? Like all of these guys who theoretically can shoot now, can they shoot once they get to the Lakers? Because that that is not proven to be the case. (laughs) Hey, Lonzo bounced back in a nice way. I I love what he's on. He's young enough to believe in, in, in what we're seeing from him. And if he could find a way, Mm -hmm. I don't think he ever wanted to leave LA. You know what I mean? Like, you know, obviously he's, he's, you know, born and raised, you know, went to UCLA, um, you know, big market for him and, and, you know, LaMelo now in the league, like they, they're going to be, I think LaMelo is going to be better than Lonzo overall. But I think just, if you're looking at, if you're looking at it, if there's a way for them to bring that guy back, because defensively he's a great fit. He's not a shoot first guy. Uh, he's not going to be concerned with getting his, I think shooter. We saw that a little bit at points, not to say he was, he was doing it because he was more concerned about his stats. Again, I think instinct takes over for a guy like shooter. It was like, I'm going to try and get to the hole here. I'm going to, I think Lonzo will make the right play. He's a guy who can take again, the, the pressure off LeBron in terms of facilitating. I would love to see him fit, but I, you know, I don't think it would be a bad thing for the Lakers to try and strip down and, and build because you got these veteran options that are going to be available that you can get at the minimum. You know what I mean? You could, you could look at, Hey, uh, a guy like Paul Millsap, uh, you know, a guy like, you know, Carmelo Anthony, again, not going to rely on them to play 20 minutes uh, or, 30 minutes a game, but you can have competent players around what you have on the roster. So, you know, I think they're going to have to get Kyle Lowry, another name you could look at depending on what he signs for. Would I want to give Lowry more than a one-year deal at this point? No. And uh, again, for him, a guy who's got a championship, you might look at it and say, screw it. I'm going to try and make my money for the last couple of years and I'll go wherever I can get the best offer. So I think there are options out there. I, it's just interesting to me if it's going to be how creative Rob Polinka is going to get. Cause again, I think he did psych himself out, a little bit following the uh, win in the bubble and winning the 2020 title. I thought they, they maybe moved too many things around last year where it might have made a little a bit of fine tuning, not necessarily a lot of the wholesale changes that we did see. So I, I think he's going to have to get clear. And you have a bunch of these guys, like we saw that with Brooklyn. And again, if, if Brooklyn was healthy fully, does Milwaukee come out of the East? Who knows? And, and hopefully next season. No, they don't. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what I'm saying. You know, like I, I, I think that, and you look at the, the recipe that, the Nets use obviously you have Durant, um, Kyrie, and, and James Harden, but then you had like Blake, Blake Griffin had a renaissance with them. You know what I mean? Jeff Green looked good at times. So I think if you're looking at, at at the way those teams are kind of doing it and assuming things are back completely back to normal next year, we're not having this crazy condensed schedule. I, I think there are ways that Palinka could get could get creative, just bring in another star if they can and figure that out and just build around them. Yeah, I worried about these. Um these end of the bench veteran guys, they just never work out as well as you're going to hope. Like we went through this experience with Wes Matthews this year, right? And even Marcus all to a certain extent. I mean, you look at the Bucks rotation, none of those guys are minimum guys, right? They're all younger guys who were trying to prove themselves. Even the Suns, they didn't have like that veteran who came on and ended up playing a big role for them. Uh, I, I think, you know, those, that Dwight Howard archetype is a little overrated. And even then, like, how much was Dwight playing for the Lakers down the stretch? Like he gets a lot of shine for what he did against Denver when it came, you know, to gut check time in that nugget series, Anthony Davis was playing the five. It wasn't Dwight Howard. So I I don't want to overrate what older guys can bring to the roster. If they're not like, 
if they're just, you know, coming on for the minimum, I, I, I think there's a reason that they're coming on for the minimum is what I'm trying to say. Uh, you know, if the Lakers can make that Kyle Lowry deal work, I still would have no problem giving him a two or three year deal because he is exactly the kind of player that would fit into what they're trying to do. Right. He is a playmaker. He is a shooter. He is a freaking tenacious defender. Like that's exactly what you need next to these two other guys. And so what if he's like 36 years old, like LeBron is too, like, this is the window, right? So yeah. And if it requires giving up Schroeder, he's, he's already out of here, right? If it requires giving up Kuzma and THT, like, yeah, that sucks. So be it. But I mean, I, I feel like the shine is kind of worn off on Kyle Kuzma, you know? Oh yeah. And that, that shine THT wore off a long is just time the ago. price of doing business. Right. Yeah. So like that, that's like the level I think that the Lakers should be aspiring to is the Kyle Lowry level. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But I don't think that they should go into this season with another point guard who can't shoot. I just think we've seen what that does to this offense, which is already deprived of spacing. So like, that's why I would hope that they would not engage in this Westbrook thing any further. And which is why I don't think that the Simmons thing has any traction with the Lakers just maybe there is an ecosystem where a point guard who can't shoot can thrive. Like maybe that's when Carl Anthony Towns is your center or Nicole Jokic is your center, but I don't think it exists when uh, Andre Drummond or whoever else is playing the five for the Lakers. And even when LeBron and AD are not like excellent shooters, right. They're just, they're fine. So I would hope that the Lakers have learned that lesson from this past year. What is the best case scenario? For the Lakers this offseason, when you're looking at this, I mean, you have guys again like JJ Redick. He's going to be available. He's 37 years old. He could shoot, maybe play 10, 12 minutes a game. You could you could bring in some of these guys that have had success as three point shooters. But what, what do you think is the, is the best case scenario for the Lakers going? Like, who do you? Because you know, I, I, you look back at at the Miami Heat when you know, and I, this obviously started I think before then was was 2008 when you had uh, Boston with with KG. Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, where you almost got to have three capable guys, right? Three guys who could score. And I think the Lakers kind of got away with that in the, in the bubble uh, just because of how good AD and LeBron were. And then, you know, mm -hmm. uh, KCP played really well. Alex Caruso, like everything kind of came really uh, meshed well for the Lakers in, in, in Orlando um, in 2020. But when you're looking at how this team should build now, what, what, what is the best case scenario for Rob Palenka, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, to build this team and, and change up the roster. How do you think it would look going into next season? I say we bring back Danny green for the mini mid level. <laughs> okay. You're, you're, you're still, you're still wanting Danny green back. You still miss Danny green. I love Danny green. Danny green healthy has not lost a playoff series since 2018. I think he was wildly underrated for the Lakers last year. We saw how much the Sixers missed him when he got hurt against Atlanta. Um, I think that's exactly the kind of player that the Lakers should be looking for. I don't know if those bridges have been burned. Danny seemed fairly complimentary of how honest Rob Palenka was with him during the process last off season. So hopefully that isn't the case, but I, I do believe that like the Lakers need more wings who can shoot. And when I think of a wing who can shoot the number one player that comes to mind for me is Danny green. So, okay. so you're that, hoping that's for what Danny I think that the Lakers should be targeting this offseason. Obviously they're not going to, they don't like Danny green that much. I don't know why they don't. They don't like Marcus all that much. All those former Raptors, it's not really working for them. But <laughs> that's where I stand. <laughs> uh, any any other names sticking out for you from the veterans? Serge Ibaka, Boogie Cousins, these guys who are you know best days are. I mean, behind. As long as we're talking about former Clippers, I think Reggie Jackson would fit a lot of the Lakers' needs. <laughs> okay, okay, but he's not going to. I mean, he's not, he's he's going to make way too much in the open market. You think, right? He could. Uh, I mean, the Clippers can't play him that much, so. 
I, I can't see why he'd want to leave the Clippers for the Lakers. So that seems like a real strong emotional shift for Reggie Jackson that the world would not be prepared for. Oh yeah. Yeah. But you know what? They, they, they look like they, and I will say this, you know, we rarely compliment the Clippers, but um, I, I will say that I love the way they battled. And I think they, they came together really nicely. I, again, I think of Kawhi, uh, Kawhi doesn't get hurt. They, they beat the Suns in that series. No problem. And, and you, again, I don't know who would have won between Milwaukee and, and the Clippers. So I, it's just going to be, it's going to be a fascinating off season. I think all the way around, right. There, there, there's, there could be so many changes. And I think for the first time in years now, you know, and then you're looking back at, you know, when golden state got really good in, in 2014, 15, where, where they can, you know, they won 67 games and, and won the title. Uh, you know, after that, it was pretty much you knew who was going to be in the finals. There was only three or four teams that, that you looked at. And I think that's one thing I'm excited for going into next season is that the Lakers, uh, you look at the Suns, you're going to have the Clippers, uh, Utah, if, you know, if it makes some changes to, to, to do some things, they, they could be better. Uh, the Damian Lillard thing, wherever he ends up. And then in the East, you're going to have the Bucks again. Obviously, you have uh, uh, the Nets are going to be really good next season if they can stay healthy. You're going to have Philadelphia if they make some changes and they can get a guy like Lillard. I, I'm just excited for the fact that we're going to have options and you're going to look at, there's like six or eight teams that you look at maybe even nine or 10 as legitimate championship contenders next season. Yeah. And I mean, the intrigue starts right here. You know, I thought I had a good sense of what the Lakers were trying to do last year and they mostly went according to that plan The the Montrez Herald thing threw me for a loop and I still haven't quite figured out what they were going for, but I legitimately have no idea what the Lakers are going to try to do this offseason, And it makes it extremely fascinating to look forward to. But you will be covering it on the podcast, though, right, Sabrina? Whatever happens, yep. we'll have you guys. Back <laughs> that's next a week. good. That's a good way. The draft. Yeah, that's a, that's a, this is a good way to segue out. We are going to have you covered on the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. Anthony Irwin doing his daily show. Uh, we also have a whole lineup of guests, as you guys know, the Alexes, myself, and Sabrina, Christian Harrison. We all hop on 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 the podcast. So uh, we're going to have you covered here. We'll also have you covered on the website, SilverScreenandRoll.com. Don't forget, subscribe to us, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're there and check us out throughout the remainder of the off season. It's going to be a busy week. Uh, looking forward to it. And we'll talk to you all again next Wednesday.